This is our people podcast, telling the stories behind South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Hello, I'm Fiona Thompson. I'm one of our Trust Communications Officers. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of our People podcast. Uh, We are joined by Charlotte Mutton, who is our Specialist Bereavement Lead Midwife, and Joanna Wiley, our Patient and Staff Experience Midwife. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Would you both mind starting us off by telling us a little bit about uh, what your job involves and what your your route into that job was? Um, So, hi everybody, I'm Joanna Wiley. So, I've been a midwife for about 10 years now. I am now the patient and staff experience midwife across South Tyneside and Sunderland. So what my new role entails is focusing on patient and staff experience, and particularly in lots of areas really, but I work very closely with Charlotte, who's our bereavement midwife, which is why I'm here today. Um, I started my midwifery career straight out of school, so from being 18 and then I've continued since then. It's still a job that I love and I'm very passionate about. And Charlotte, what was your route into midwifery and what was your what sparked your interest in supporting families in these situations so hello everyone i'm charlotte mutton i'm the bereavement lead midwife um i've started midwifery again like joanna straight from school really so um, i've been at it a long time now almost um 14 years um i've worked across all sectors within midwifery and pretty early on in my career i developed a passion and interest for bereavement um it was certainly a taboo subject it was something that perhaps clinically you aren't exposed to early on in your career or as a student so as a freshly qualified midwife you're expected to be a bereavement midwife Um, and I noticed very early on that we weren't necessarily prepared and equipped to do so so that set me on my quest to want to make a difference and contribute to bereavement Um, so I worked across all sectors like I said and then I went on to complete my PhD in public health and within that I specialised within bereavement and I conducted a large piece of research which looked at the fact that we weren't providing a good standard of bereavement care we weren't meeting national standards of bereavement care and therefore we weren't really doing justice to our bereaved families but also to our staff providing that care so after I conducted that research it really just fed my hunger and passion to develop the services more I was involved in a lot of service development I set up bereavement counselling services and um, the first ones in the region which have been very successful and they're continuing and they've you know provided support to bereaved families you know across the region um, and uh, after that then um, I'm currently completing my PhD in stillbirth um, I'm hoping to come contribute to the wider perspective of bereavement I'm looking at stillbirth experiences um, and I also completed my bereavement counselling so I am a specialist in providing um, pregnancy loss support to bereaved families from anticipatory grief right through to support and bereaved parents in a, a group capacity um, but certainly you know not only of clinical experience has driven that passion I have also like many of the listeners suffered a bereavement myself throughout my life um, and I believe you do bring a certain element of both professional and personal experience to the role and your uh, job with us is a relatively newly created role and you joined our trust um was it last year 
I did, yes. So I joined the Trust in 2021, October. I started officially in the role in the November. So I had a, a month to sort of really find my feet. It was a new environment. I'd worked in the same Trust for a very long time. Um, so it was about finding what was right for South Tyneside and Sunderland, what our bereaved families wanted, but also what our staff wanted to be able to provide a renowned service. We want our service to be the best service out there. Um, and it was really important to listen and make people feel heard so that we're driving their ideas forward. It's great to have that named person. It's great to have me as the bereavement lead midwife. It's not a role that every trust has. However, it's known that it takes a lot more than one person to drive this service. In terms of the role, um, it is a very new role. So it's a role that we've never had here. So it was certainly starting from scratch. Um, and to do that, um, it's been a lot of work to get to where we are now. But I can certainly say 11 months down the line, we've made huge progress. And I think certainly the feedback that we collect back from both staff and families really does, um, you, you know, you can hear it echoed in, in their feedback, how effective the changes have been that we've made. And from my point of view, working alongside staff and patients, um, especially working with bereaved families or midwives, caring for bereaved families, our experience in the past coming up nearly a year from having Charlotte and from all the changes she's made is a massive improvement both for staff and for patients um, and I think we want to publicise that and we want to say how well the service is going and how well we're doing and how we know that the care we're providing we're going to continue and keep making it as good as possible but we know it's improving all the time and the care that we're providing at the minute is pretty fantastic and Charlotte's doing an amazing job. Because you're helping our colleagues as well aren't you so while you're leading the service you are feeding into uh, other areas of maternity so what does that involve absolutely so as part of the pathway it's about being visible it's about being approachable it's about being that point of contact not only for the families but for the staff members as well so I would love to be that member of staff to be there to hold the hands of every bereaved family but in fact I rely on my fantastic colleagues to do a lot of that so it's about making sure that they're equipped to be able to do that and you know you can't always instill the skills needed to provide excellent bereavement care but every single member of staff have been so engaged and so supportive and they've really welcomed the changes and welcomed the support to provide that service. We all want to provide an excellent service and we do have a long way to go, but I'm definitely that person to drive it forward with the support behind me from, you know, from everyone here at Sunderland and South Tyneside. We want to make it happen and it's about those small achievable steps and those small wins because they all do add up. Um, so certainly we do feed back to both patients and staff the changes. We feed back to patients and staff in terms of um, the feedback that we get because they need to hear what an excellent job they're doing at the, I guess, the best worst time in somebody's life. Um, but as part of that pathway, I've developed what we call the Forever Cherish service. And it's a service that encompasses a few different care bundles, um, one of which is the Care After Bereavement Pathway. So that looks at supporting our families from the point of diagnosis. So I'm introduced to that family. Um, they're given an admission pack with a lot of information in there, really to plant seeds and give some background information about the really difficult, challenging decisions that they're going to have to face over the next few days certainly and for the for the long term um after that i provide all of that care and support to the family i'm involved in that clinical care episode i'm involved in counseling for um, decision making and certainly supporting the staff but i do um, support that family for up to eight months after a loss so there is a lot of intricate um, finer detail within the pathway which i'm certainly happy to elaborate um, on with anybody that's interested so why don't you take us through who we support through your service? Yeah, 
So we certainly, within our services, we see anybody that suffers a loss, so the loss of their baby from 14 weeks onwards. So that is um, anybody that would present at our maternity unit. And um, that, that encompasses, you know, any baby loss. So that's from miscarriage, stillbirth and neonatal death as well. And we support them for the longevity. Now, Within that pathway, we also have a bereavement counselling pathway. So each of those families are offered up to six counselling sessions within the naught to four month mark after the loss. So that follows them up until that consultant appointment with all of that result sharing. Can we fix bereavement in six sessions? No, we can't. Grief and bereavement is lifelong and we are well aware of that. But that's why I've also developed a subsequent pregnancy bundle. So for those families who wish to embark on a future pregnancy, which many do, about 40% of the current um, care bundle have done that, um, then there is that ongoing additional support. And that supports them from the point of a positive pregnancy test right through until a postnatal period. And those appointments are really additional appointments. So they're additional to that community midwife, they're for reassurance, they're for emotional well wellbeing. Those appointments are really to allow that woman to be listened and have the time that perhaps we have constraints with in normal clinical practice. So it's that additional gold standard bundle that really just nurtures that woman. Um, and her wider family as well. They're really important as part of the process. In addition to that bundle, so we've got that care after bereavement bundle, um, we have the bereavement counselling bundle, we also have the subsequent pregnancy bundle, and we have a funeral bundle within that as well. So we support every pregnancy loss, so every bereaved family to organise and um, certainly support the organisation of a funeral for their baby should they feel that that is right for them. And if it is not, then we support them within the avenue that they choose as well. And then finally, the last part of the bundle really is about investing back into our team here at Sunderland and South Tyneside through exposure, through training, through education, but also listening to our MVP um, group as well in terms of what they can feed and the valuable feedback that they give us. We're certainly trying to reach out to them rather than them having to reach in. We want to be readily um, available so that they're aware that we want to make a difference here as well. An MVP is? So we're, our MVPs is the Maternity Voice Partnership. So the Maternity Voice Partnership is a national thing. Um, it's where every local region and trust has selected members of the public who volunteer. They have to be interviewed and they're selected and we have two and we're just in the process of getting a third um, MVP. Um, and I'm the link midwife who works with the MVPs. They're absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they then have Facebook groups and regular meetups. They go to children's centres. They have picnics in the park and they do lots of events with mums and with women. Um, we can either go along to them as professionals or sometimes they hold them just as mums, just in the community, just with people, just with their peers. They then feed back. Um, so their feedback, so say we ask them to do a piece of work, which we have done surrounding women who have had losses or had bereavement, they then contact them women and get advice or say where they thought that their care was good, say where they thought the care could be improved. They then feed that back to us. And um, myself and Charlotte also meet with them and are meeting with them soon to discuss all the bereavement pathways and we get their input of what they think would be useful. So basically everything that we do, 
and everything we create, we go by the MPP. So we get public input, we get women's input in their care. How do they want to be treated? How do they want to be looked after? And I think that's been so crucial, hasn't it, Charlotte? It just has really helped us mould a service that is tailored to women. Not what, what we think, but it's what they think and what they say will help them. And often it's because women have been through these experiences and I think it's working really well. And I think just leading on from that, one of the most poignant recent experiences was feedback. I worked very closely with a bereaved family who suffered the loss of their son um, last year. And together we were able to create something that the services never offered. So we were able to create some bereavement milk donation packs for parents, which coming from a, a stance of a bereaved parent just adds a whole new element to it. They've been there, they have experienced it. And yes, we can't generalise their experience but we value their experience because they're all part of the bigger picture um, that sometimes you can lose sight of clinically. So it's, it's so important um, that they know that they're really valued part of the process. Um, you very helpfully set up a, a page on our website, uh, which is really easy to find, and it, it does detail the other people you go on to, to help with. So I know that that mentions um, uh, people who are experiencing an ongoing pregnancy with a poor pregnancy prognosis, yes. um, or they choose to end their pregnancy due to abnormalities, and then also, you, I think you've already mentioned that you help people through subsequent pregnancies when yes. they come back um, following a, a, a new conception. Um, so that's a really useful, if anybody wants to go and have a look, it's a really good page and it's really detailed and um, it really puts across how what your service takes care of, which is definitely worth having a look at. Um, but you've already mentioned Forever Cherish, which is also on that page. So why don't you tell us a little bit about more about that service and how it's funded? So the Forever Cherish service, it really is an idea that's hopefully going to be an umbrella term, an umbrella brand and a logo really to um, nurture bereaved families from the offset, uh, right from the point of diagnosis of loss up until the delivery of their subsequent pregnancy and beyond. Um, it's about them being recognised as a a group of individuals who are receiving that excellent pathway of care and it's also about professionals then having that awareness that this family has suffered a bereavement or is you know currently experiencing a subsequent pregnancy so they need to approach that care with perhaps it's a slightly different stance with some more caution with some sensitivity so it's about just that creating that awareness it's used on all of our documentation, all of our leaflets on the website. We aim to use it, um, you know, in, in terms of any advertisement with the services, just so that it is going to be a renowned, recognised service that we hope is, is able to highlight how important and crucial uh, bereavement care is. Brilliant. It's currently funded um, by the, at South Tyneside in Sunderland. We have just trademarked um, the, the name and the logo, which is fantastic. And I do love it, if I do say so myself. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, it was a name that I did reach out um, to the staff members to ensure that it was a name that they felt was comfortable and captured that group of, of women and, fam and their families as well. Brilliant. Um, and baby loss awareness is, uh, week is coming up in October, which will be, um, I'm sure, a really difficult time for a lot of families, uh, but also gives them the chance to... Uh, take a moment to pause and, and think and and you know look back on their memories and their lost children. Uh, what are we doing to help market? So Baby Loss Awareness Week um, is in October, as you've said. Now, it's really important for me to pause at this point and probably highlight the fact that bereavement happens every single day. And it happens all year round. And certainly, I can speak on behalf of South Townside and Sunday that we remember the families that come through our service every single day, not just in October. But October is our chance to really highlight how much we are thinking about our families. 
I think one of the most important things that came out of working with the MVP and came out from getting patient um, feedback and staff feedback as well is that in a way they want us to do more. This is an area of care that is so common. It's very sad, but it's very common. It does happen to a lot of people, a lot of women and a lot of families experience loss. And I think to publicise that in a way on our social media pages and on our website pages, it normalises the experience. You're not alone. And this, unfortunately, is a very sad experience, but it happens to lots of people. And we want to recognise that in maternity. We don't want people to feel alone or isolated. We want them to feel included. And we want to try and make a bad experience the best we can possibly make it. Because what, what do we do to help these families? So I know they've got lots of things, but would you mind taking us through what help you offer them when they go through this experience? So it's about that one-to-one care. It's about recognising the magnitude of the situation from the moment that it happens, from the moment that you're breaking that bad news. It's really, really challenging, but it's about breaking that bad news in a sensitive way, in the correct environment, in a supportive environment where they can be surrounded by people of their choice. And then it's about helping them feel nurtured and cared for from that moment onwards so that they know they're not alone, just reflecting on what Joanna's just said there. So at the point of diagnosis, they're given a lot of counselling, they're given a lot of time and they're given a lot of information, which we appreciate can be overloading. So often our families may or may not choose to go home for a couple of days to think about what they've just been told to process that information and then to join us back in a couple of days when they feel ready as long as that's clinically safe and when they come back we do have fantastic facilities so we have our for Lewis suite which was funded by for Lewis, which is a an amazing charity which without that charity we wouldn't be able to provide such an excellent service so thank you for Lewis. Um, I know a lot of our families out there do receive a lot of memory making equipment from for Lewis that again like I say would just not be possible so once they come back in with us they're cared for like any other labouring family except there are a few added bonuses so they get that one-to-one care they get that continuity of care they get free car parking they get that that hand to hold for as long as they need or as long as they don't need um They're probably introduced to one of our bereavement advocates on shift. So bereavement advocates are staff that have just invested in a little bit of additional training with myself. And they are allocated to each shift pattern to be able to provide continuity for the family, but as well as the the midwife providing that care. It's your opportunity really to um, take a step out if you're recognising your own limitations as a professional, but also take a step in to support the family when needed. So it's just about having the right people there at at the right time. We get one opportunity to get this right. So like I say, we provide that labour and care. And then afterwards, that's when the most time is spent, isn't it, Joanna? I don't know if you agree. I completely agree. And I think Charlotte has done so much work with a lot of women midwifery colleagues. And I think as a midwife, as Charlotte would agree, our job can be wonderful, but it can also be very difficult at the same time. You are caring for women in a very vulnerable, upsetting time of their lives. And I think the bereavement advocate midwives have gone above and beyond their job role and really focused in, honed their skills, Mm. made it so that they can make women feel as comfortable, as safe and as cared for as possible. And it is working really well. And those midwives are absolutely fantastic. All the midwives are fantastic. All the midwives are so great at caring for bereaved families. 
but those special bereavement advocate midwives have gone above and beyond, yeah. which I know you would absolutely agree. And I think the feedback that we're getting from women shows that this continuity, that this continued care, this continued support, this experience in the area. So when you ask a question, the answer's known. Um, you know, sometimes it's not, and we have to go and find out, but it's that being in safe hands, it's being in someone's hands that you know they've dealt with this situation before, no questions, a daft question. I think it's being comfortable to be open and honest, um, and I think it's working really well. It is, and certainly in that initial after period, we, we go with what's right for that family, but it's about making sure that they've all had that offer. It's about equality of care, isn't it? It's about providing every single bereaved family with the opportunity to spend time with the baby, to hold their baby, to see their baby, to bath their baby if that's what they choose, to invite visitors into the environment, to take handprints and footprints, clear casting if that's what they would like, um, to, to, you know, read to the baby. Um, to take photographs of the baby as well. We have um, services that do come in, but equally we ha- we take our own photographs and certainly as part of the bereavement training, the midwives are fantastic, you know. The multidisciplinary team are fantastic at, uh, you know, using props and taking photographs. Um, and it's amazing what the families go home with, but it's remembering that those families do just go home with that box of memories. And it's making sure that we are so sensitive and we we provide that time to give them a lifetime of memories in that little box that they take home because that is all that they take home. Um, so, I, you know, I really am a huge advocate for ensuring that they have the right amount of time afterwards as well. Even for those families that perhaps don't want those memories made immediately, I have a con- I have contact with families for a long time after and a lot, you know, a lot of the time if they haven't made those memories, it's a big regret. So we provide the option to create those memories and we store them as part of the medical record for up to 25 years if that's what they wish. And then they can come back and, and receive those memories when they find that time is right for them. I think another important thing to mention from everything Charlotte said, which is so right, is that there's no rush in any of this. I think a lot of the feedback you know, even myself when I've cared for women in this situation, is often they feel like after they've given birth, um, when they're having time with their little one, they sometimes women are so lovely and so friendly, but they're like, when do I need to go home? Do I have to, you know, when do I need to leave? Do you not need this room? These are mm-hmm. common things that women actually say to us, and it's about saying you need as long as you need. Mm-hmm. You stay Absolutely. here as long as you need. We work around you, and that is the most important thing. Um, we don't ever want women to feel rushed to go home because like Charlotte says, sometimes you need time to process, to think of decisions and women can, we've known women stay for days and that's absolutely fine. We've known women go home and come back again. That's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. It's about there's no rush and there's no one size fits all. It's very individualised and it is a different situation. So women that have come in previously, um, I think, you know, they're really learning that and really appreciate that. And a lot of the comments we'll get as well says that they weren't rushed um, and they felt it was a joint decision when they were ready to go home and how they went about that process yeah. of going home. Because it's a big thing. Isn't and it? certainly, um, you know, we do provide them with um, information on how to see and spend time with the baby when they do go home. And I can facilitate that, you know, certainly as part of the memory make. And we do concentrate on that valuable time that they can have. So we have um, cuddle cots available. We also have a community cuddle cot, which allows bereaved families to take their babies home if that's right for them. I think the key thing to remember is what is right for one family 
isn't right for every family but again it is about that offer to create memories and offer those choices um, so alongside the cuddle cots we also have a cuddle room here at Sunderland and South Tyneside which again just helps provide that extra time that much needed time before they choose to say goodbye because I think every bereaved family and every colleague listening will understand that saying goodbye is one of the hardest parts of that bereavement journey but it's making that family aware that they're not saying goodbye to us because they have us with them for the longevity of that journey. And I know that it can be a really difficult time for friends and family as well. Um, I suppose my question, well, something I would find really useful is what are the right things to say to somebody who is going to lose or has lost a, a baby and what should you really try your best to avoid? Um, mm -hmm. Because I think it can be really hard to, to work out what the right thing is to say. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know whether you've got some, some insight that would be really helpful. So as part of um, the bespoke training package that I've put together, I deliver a whole morning on communication that covers all aspects of sensitive communication, appropriate communication. Communication doesn't just occur in the verbal sense. It's about that non-verbal communication as well. So masks have been a huge, huge barrier. And I think the uniform can sometimes be a barrier as well. As kind of table, we're sitting across a table today and if we were having a sensitive conversation, I would certainly want to remove that. So certainly it's about recognising that they can often sense what you're going to say before you say it because they're, you're very much concentrated on your body language. So removing those barriers, going to their level, speaking at their level, making sure that they can understand what you're saying. Closing the loop is a huge one. So making sure... With bereaved families, they've got so many emotions evoked by what they're going through. They don't always process what you're saying first time. So repetition is key. And making sure that you're also repeating what you've said to them and closing that loop that they have a clear understanding. Things to say would certainly be, it's a challenging one. I'm not, I'm not going to lie because what's right for one family isn't right for the other. But my key advice is be led by them. If they use their baby's name, use their baby's name. If they didn't give their baby a name, ask them what you want them to refer to their baby as. Acknowledge, so acknowledge their loss. Sometimes in a subsequent pregnancy, we recognise it by a sticker on their notes, the Forever Cherish sticker. Don't just ignore that sticker. Even if you're nipping in that room to go and grab a piece of equipment or to change the sheets or to provide breakfast, mention mention it to them, bring it up. If they're report, you know, if 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 you find that they would like to be led on led with that, as part of the care after bereavement pathway, we do a subsequent pregnancy birth plan as well, which provides a summary on what the family feel comfortable with you mentioning and what they don't. Other things are listening and making them feel heard. So that valuable time presence is sometimes more important than anything else. And I guess just providing them with that open time. So just sometimes, you know being there and reflecting things that i would say not to say um would certainly be the use of medical terminology and jargon um there are a lot of um, non-useful phrases which you can certainly hear from national experiences using the sans website there's some very useful ones on there and certainly in training bespoke training i do um use key situational awareness experiences of recent care episodes of things that have and haven't been said and what was useful and what wasn't so it brings it back to what's appropriate for us and is that website a really good point for people to, to look out for um in their in their friendship groups and in their families as well is that a really good rundown of that would help steer people through 
It can certainly be used as a guide, absolutely. So there are many helpful websites out there um, and we do provide a whole list of resources to bereaved families um, and that can be used by the wider, you know, the wider family, broader family as well on how to approach it. We do speak to families when they do come in and we do provide them with support as well on how to broach it because they're suffering a loss just as much as that bereaved mum is as well. And like we said earlier, we have done a lot of work on our website, which we will continue to do, but the pages that we've included on our website do include a lot of information and there's a lot of useful links on there as well because a lot of the time like you say when you mention things in the moment people aren't in that headspace so even if it's weeks or months later the website is always there and available and we'll have links and we know that there are links to either accredited charities or to sources that are appropriate sources because there is a lot of information out there but it's making sure women get the correct and factual information as well because we have to be safe and I think the whole beauty of it is now that we do have this bereavement specialist post that I am that point of contact. So I always say as a midwife in general, we are all bereavement midwives, but as a midwife in general, please do not use Google. Please do not use the Internet. Please come to the source. And, you know, that is one really key thing that I share with professionals. If you do not know, do not make it up. And the same with, I guess, from a friends and family perspective, if you are unsure, don't make it up. Just go and seek the correct information and I am that point of contact. I'm not saying that I know everything in the world ever, but I do work as part of a multi-professional team who has access to the right information. And again, if anybody wants to find that website, um, the sorry, the webpage on our own website, you can go to the maternity section and it leads you to the bereavement section from there, which is really helpful. Um, Joanna or Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really pleased that you were able to uh, describe a little bit more about our service and um, I hope people find it helpful uh, if they are experiencing these things or they've got friends and family as well who might be going through it. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of our People podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and check out our other stories. Hit subscribe to keep up with the latest and catch up with what we've been up to on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search for our name.